Well, hello and welcome in to another episode of Just Saying Sports with Jake and Sean. My name is Jake Annip. I'm here with Sean Dwyer. Go ahead, say hello to the people. How you doing? Sean and I are excited for this week because it means we get to talk about college football. We are already about a week into the season for most programs, you know, one game under their belt. But we've had a chance to digest a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to take some time, go over each conference by conference and let you know who we think is going to be the eventual champion and a few players to watch from each conference and really kind of give you a rundown of what college football is going to be like this year. But, Sean, I know the hours of preparation that you've put into this. Is this not probably the most hype that you've been for one of our podcasts so far? Oh, this has definitely been the most hype that I've been for one outside of the farm system breakdowns. Uh, this was really something that I really sat down and put time into, not just off the cuff kind of opinion stuff that we do, but this is a lot of work that we put in for you, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Of course. Now, uh, Sean and I have always been and will always be very big college football fans. I, I'm pretty sure I would describe myself to be a college football fan over type of any type of professional football. Um, I mean, would that be the same for you, Sean? Yeah, you know, college to me, it's more, it's more football in a way. It's you see a lot of different things, a lot of different ways people go about scheme wise, in offense and defense. And, you know, the NFL kind of became monkey see, monkey do with everybody kind of doing the same thing. But in college, you get to see teams like Temple, so that are going to run the ball forty times a game, square off with a team in their own conference, and with uh, you know. Like UCF is the one that I want to use. UCF runs a very spread all over the place offense. I don't know what they're actually going to do this year now that um, Frost is gone, but just to see the contrasting styles, it really I think makes college more fun. Yeah, and I mean, with there being so many different schools, so many different coaches, and so many different styles, it's always an interesting uh, way and interesting, you know, matchups that really take place over the season that really do make it hard for the college football playoff committee to you know, choose which teams are going to go in and which ones are the best. So, you know, we're going to try and break this down on the front end of the football season for all of our wonderful listeners. So you can have an idea of, you know, what's really happening this year, because it is a lot to digest, you know, with 10 major football conferences in uh, Division One FBS. And, you know, that's a lot of schools to keep track of. So we're here to help you out, help you break it down. And, you know, Sean did bring up a couple schools uh, with UCF and Temple. So I guess we'll get started right in the American Athletic Conference. So obviously, you know, UCF went undefeated last year, had a pretty easy time in the AAC. And I mean, if you ask me, I think they're primed for a repeat. What do you think, Sean? Well, what do you think? Uh, you know, who is your top team in the AAC? Well, my top team is UCF, you know, the self-proclaimed national championships from last year. Um, like we mentioned, they do lose their coach, and they lost uh, some starters on both sides of the ball. And I don't think they'll repeat as 13-0, but they have returners on all levels of their defense. They have a coach coming in, and Josh Hupel, who was the OC at Missouri with an offense that's been putting up monster numbers with Drew Locke. So I think that UCF is in a good position to continue as champs. I definitely agree with you as well. I think they'll be on top. I wouldn't go as far to say that they're going to have another undefeated season. 
I mean, it's not the toughest thing to do in the American Athletic Conference, but I know I think there will be a few challenges for them along the road, but nothing that's going to significantly challenge them for the conference. Like you said, they do have a new coach coming in, coming off of, you know, that 13-0 year. So there might be a, a couple bumps here or there, but I, I definitely see them dominating their way through the American Athletic Conference. And, you know, they've lost a few people on their defense, and you remember the story of the draft with Shaquem Griffin. Um, they definitely had what it took to be 13-0 and last year. It just depends on if they were able to reload and hunker down back into the 2018 uh, football season. Now, going on to our next stand in the non-Power 5, we're, we're going to get those out of the way first, is the Mountain West Conference. Obviously, there's been a couple different teams in this conference that have been the only ones to make any type of waves in the last five to six years. Uh, who do you see uh, coming out on top in the Mountain West? Um, you just yeah, you just said it, Boise State. Looking at the Mountain West Conference, top to bottom this year, I don't really see anyone's going to challenge Boise State, and that's just because of the amount of experience Boise State brings back, um, bringing back their quarterback bringing back their running back, a couple wide receivers, offensive linemen, and then put their entire defense brings back 10 out of 11 starters. I think there's going to be too much for the rest of the Mountain West to handle. Well, I definitely think it's going to be Boise State, but the biggest point that I've always had with Boise State is I think Boise State's one of the only non-Power 5 schools who has consistently dominated their conference year in and year out, and when they play Power 5 schools – are always in the running to beat them. If Boise State plays a Power 5 school, it's not a wash. It's not a, you know, cupcake type of game. And I see them doing the exact same thing in 2018. I mean, they, a lot of people have likened them to being able to, you know, sweep through the Mountain West, you know, with Fresno State probably being their biggest competition out there. But I don't think, you know, with them getting... Fresno State, Utah State, San Diego State, they get everybody at home this year, which that's their top competition. I think if, if they can sweep through the Mountain West, they're going to end up in a uh, pretty nice bowl game, you know, maybe even end up at the season, at, you know, 12-1 uh, and one or 11-1 and one after, you know, after the season is over with. So, Sean, who do you think are your players to watch in the Mountain West Conference? Well, for the Mountain West Conference, for me, uh, we're going to go with Tyler Vandewall, the quarterback for Wyoming. I'm interested just to see um, how he steps in and takes over. You know, Wyoming is coming off of having a, the highest drafted player in their school's history with Josh Allen. Um, There's a lot of hype around Josh Allen last year. Didn't really have a great season, missed some games injury-wise. And so that, for that reason, I just want to see how a first-year starter with no statistical impact on any games before steps into being the starting quarterback at Wyoming, filling in for a quarterback who just left for the NFL. Yeah, that definitely is going to be interesting to watch. One of the guys I've been looking at is from Fresno State, and they, you know, they, they aren't really the most watched football team in the country, so... You're not going to hear his name very often, but Marcus McMarion, the quarterback from Fresno State, he's got a lot of good receivers out there, and I think he might be able to take 
the top honors in the conference for the best quarterback. And one of the things that, you know, you have to remember about Fresno state as well is they have a pretty good defense. So if they can turn around and keep some of these, you know, lower powered teams off the field and keep their offense on the field, I think he's primed to have a pretty, pretty big year. Now, Sean, back to everybody's favorite and most chill conference, the Mac, uh, you know, all the way up here in the Midwest. Got a couple of key teams who have been doing well over the last few years. But if we had to choose a champion out of the Mac for this season, who do you believe it will be? Uh, for me, it's Ohio. Uh, they returned 12 starters from a team that was uh, a very big competitor in the Mac last year. They get their quarterback and starting running back back in a team that's very run heavy. Uh, have a lot of experience coming back on both levels of defense. They avoid Central Michigan this year and get the two other teams that they lost to in their division at home last year. And I don't really see anybody challenging them from the other side of the MAC. So this year, I think Ohio is ready for a run for the MAC championship. I think the only team that could probably give Ohio a run for their money is Miami of Ohio or Western Michigan. And if we're going over after week one of the football season, I would probably drop Western Michigan out of that running. But, you know, the Red, the, the Miami Redhawks might be able to give them a, a shot. They got a good enough defense to hold, hold down a lot of those Mac teams with eight returning starters. Um, you know, they, they had an injury to their quarterback last season and it's, if they can get him back, Gus Ragland, if, if they can get him back to full health, I can see them turning around and winning eight, maybe nine games on the season and at least making that MAC championship game, uh, you know, an, an interesting match and not just letting Ohio run away with it. Who is your, you know, top player in the MAC this year? Well, you're going to notice a theme for me for some of these conferences. You personally know it, Jake. I love me some great middle linebacker play. And I don't know if there is a better middle linebacker in college than Khalil Hodge at Buffalo. He had 154 tackles last year. He is always in position to make tackles. I watched some film on this guy because I could not believe 154 tackles. But it's legit. The dude is all over the field every game doing his best Luke Keekley impression, coming up with all the stops. And I think he's the best player in the back. Yeah, I mean there are actually quite a few, uh, quite a few people to watch out for. And what one of the things like I mentioned with Miami of Ohio's quarterback, you know, they had an injury to their quarterback. Western Michigan last season had an injury to their quarterback. There's been a couple different guys who were entrenched in starting roles who are now going to be returning back to these MAC teams. And those are the guys who I'd be interested in to watch. I mean, you know, Western, you know, Western Michigan's quarterback John Wasink, you know. It it took completely took the wind out of their sails at the end of the season last year when he was taken out, out of the out of the game and he has no uh reason to believe that it's gonna be the same thing this year. So, you know, there's a few different guys, but the Mac is is gonna be interesting this year and just in that top upper echelon of teams and they're gonna be battling it out, you know, with Northern Illinois, Toledo, Ohio. So it it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting year. So to Wrap up the Mac, Sean. You know, we 
both think Ohio is going to come out on top, but is there anybody else that you think will even challenge them in the MAC? Um, for me, a team that could possibly put it all together could possibly be Buffalo. I could see Buffalo maybe making a run at Ohio, but I don't know. Ohio just they they lost to Buffalo last year, which makes me kind of think that might. It could be a possibility. Buffalo also returns a lot of starters, eight on offense, six on defense. So they're kind of a team for me that could probably challenge Ohio for the Mac. Okay. Now we're going to move on into another small conference for, for right now. The Conference USA. This is probably one of the you know, lower talked about conferences along with the, the next one that we will get into. But I think there's a clear favorite here in Florida Atlantic. You know, Lane Kiffin rolled through. I believe they were 8-0 last season in conference, and I don't see a reason why it would change very, very much. The biggest thing coming for me is their running back, Devin Singletary. I mean, he had some pretty, you know, outstanding numbers just a year ago, and it it's not even close – in terms of him and anybody else in the actual uh, Conference USA. But who's going to be your champion for this 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 year? I'm going to go right back to the Florida Atlantic Owls with Lane Kiffin. As you mentioned, Devin Singletary last year, he put up 1,989 yards and 32 touchdowns. Yeah, that's an outrageous, that, that's an outrageous that, number. That's an outrageous number. The, touch, the, the rushing yards, yeah. The, about 2,000 has been done in college before. I don't know if 32 touchdowns has been done. Off the top of my head, 32 rushing touchdowns by one guy. But, wow. Uh, and, I mean, that even brings up those same types of records that, you know, Barry Sanders was making jokes about um, in his years at Oklahoma State. He said he definitely thinks that people are going to be catching those records. But, like you said, I mean, over almost 1,900 yards, you know, almost 2,000 yards, he averaged 6.4 yards per carry. And in, you know, in a conference that isn't the biggest, fastest, or strongest, you know, being able to be that much above your competition is going to be the game changer for the entire team. So, you know, I see Florida Atlantic through, um, you know, the CUSA. If there was somebody to challenge them, who do you believe it would be, Sean? I think it would be the team in their own division, Marshall. Um, they get their game against Marshall this year is on the Marshall brings back all three wide receivers and their running back. Um, they have a new quarterback, but he's a transfer, a grad transfer in, so he's not totally inexperienced. I think Marshall could be the team that could possibly take out Florida Atlantic, and they bring back nine starters on defense as well. So who is going to be your player to watch for Conference USA, Sean? I know mine is going to be the guy I mentioned earlier in Devin Singletary with the numbers that we brought up. I mean, just seeing his follow-up campaign, the 32 touchdowns, almost 2,000 yards is interesting enough for me. Even if it is a flop, it's somebody that you need to keep an eye out for because that is potential even Heisman numbers. Yeah, and to me, honestly, Devin Singletary should have been in the Heisman talk last year. You don't score – 32 touchdowns and don't have a big impact. But that's besides the point. My player to watch for Conference USA is Josiah Tua-Effa. As I'm thinking back on the trend I started with, he's a linebacker from the University of Texas, San Antonio. 
Last year, he missed a lot of time with injuries. But going back to his freshman season in 16, he had 115 tackles. So, as he's a junior now, he's a little bit more mature. Coming off an injury shortened season, I will put money on the fact that he will top 115 tackles this year, top his freshman numbers. I think that he is going to eventually be a probably a second, third-round draft pick for the NFL. I think he's got the size and the intangibles as a linebacker to be amazing. So we're going to move on into the Sun Belt now, Sean. And from what we just saw, a good Sun Belt opponent who I will choose as my champion, um, you know, Appalachian State, they just got done playing Penn State and gave them a scare of a lifetime, just like they did with the University of Michigan like 10 or 11 years ago. It was Um, 11 years ago to the day. Yes, exactly. And that's what I mean. I was, you know, of course, I was sitting there thinking, is this really going to happen again? Is Appalachian State got the Big Ten's number or something like that? But even though they obviously didn't beat Penn State in week one, I saw enough out of them, especially their young quarterback who, you know, I heard during the game, he hadn't played, started or played in the game uh, since his senior year of high school when he broke his leg. And it was a couple of years later that he's been, you know, preparing for that moment and he really he showed up and uh i think appalachian state will be obviously powerful enough to work their way through the sun belt rather easily what about you yeah just to me i'm gonna have to agree with you on appalachian state you know we've been kind of similar in all these scenes but once you get into these lower conferences the uh the cream really rises to the top rather easily and as you mentioned zach thomas had a hell of a game for appalachian state against penn state I think they have one of the more underrated running backs in the country and Jalen Moore. I think that he is only going to get better. He's had a great year two years ago, had an okay year last year, and he's back for another monster year this year. And I think that they bring back enough surrounding their quarterback running back on offense and on the whole defense to really, I think they'll take the Sun Belt rather easily this year. Yeah, so who, who's going to be your one player to watch out of the Sun Belt for the people today? Mine is Justice Hansen. He's the quarterback for Arkansas State. And he will, in my opinion, be the team, leading the team that plays at Appalachian State for the Sun Belt Conference Championship. He had a good year last year. Um, the numbers literally didn't jump off the paper at you. But when you start looking at what he can do in the future, I think he sets up for a great year this year, running and th- throwing the ball and running the ball as well. And my player to watch is going to come from the, my, my eventual champion, the Appalachian State. And, but it's not their quarterback who we just talked about, but their running back, Jalen Moore. He rushed the ball 180 times last year, so he was basically their bell cow back. He rushed over 1,000 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns, almost six yards per carry. So with the, with the team that I just watched this past week, which was nice to be able to kind of get a gauge on them, he definitely did some of the damage on, on the ground with his legs and if they have that one-two punch with their quarterback who can make throws, can make plays, and having some guy like Moore who can bang it out on the ground, Appalachian State, like I said, should be able to run away with the, with the Sun Belt. Now that we have finished up with the non-Power 5 schools, we do have to get one more small group of teams out of the way, and that would be our independent schools 
And as we know, that's Army, BYU, Brigham Young, Liberty, Massachusetts, New Mexico State, and Notre Dame. Who, Sean, I think this is probably a pretty easy question for everybody to answer, especially after what we saw during week one. But who is your top independent and who should we be watching out for from any one of these schools? Well, I think the answer is easy. Notre Dame is the best independent team. They are an NFL team compared to all other independents, in my opinion. And the t- player to watch for for me is going to be Tanner Mangum from BYU. Uh, been a real roller coaster career for him at BYU. Who knows what he's going to do this year? But he's looked he, game one against Arizona. He looked solid. He led them to a win out of Arizona against Khalil Tate. If he can continue that, BYU is going to have a good year. You know, he's coming off the year in which he was benched a little bit halfway through with injuries and everything. So we'll see. Uh, Tanner Mangum is definitely the most interesting player to watch for me. Well, I, I like to watch some more guys from Notre Dame just because, obviously, this is probably the team that will have the most eyes on them out of independence. And Tavon Cor- uh, Coney, the linebacker from Notre Dame, is probably – interesting guy he's got 116 tackles last season um he's good for a few sacks he'll he'll wreak a little bit of havoc in the backfield he had 10 and a half tackles for loss uh for last season but you know with you know they were able to shut down michigan's run game in week one uh michigan really couldn't do anything at all up the middle they found a little bit of success on the outside during the fourth quarter but you know they even shook up shea patterson with the pressure and you could tell that, you know, Notre Dame kind of has their stuff together both on offense and defense. And Coney is the, you know, the center of the Notre Dame defense. So I think it'd be very interesting to see how he pans out for this season. If he can go back above a hundred tackles, which I'm sure, you know, Brian Kelly definitely expects out of his, you know, the defensive leader. Now is when it starts to get a little fun, Sean. We're going to move into our Power 5 schools with the SEC, the ACC, the Big 10, the Big 12, and, of course, the Pac-12. We are going to start down in the south in what I guess we could consider to be the Bad Boys Conference, uh, the SEC. I mean, there's a couple clear favorites, as always, coming from this year. But, you know, with Alabama and Georgia kind of sitting on a perch atop the conference over the last couple of years here, um, obviously we're going to be seeing yet another crazy year in the SEC because it always seems that somebody drops a game here or there and it always shakes everything up. But we have some decent teams in the middle tier this season with LSU and, you know, Auburn. And they really feel, I feel like they might be able to make a few splashes during the regular season, but who is your overall champion, and do you see Georgia dethroning Alabama? Um, no, I don't think Alabama loses to Georgia. Uh, I think Alabama, I think Alabama runs the table this year. To be quite honest with you, and through the SEC, their road games are an Ole Miss team that looked good this past weekend, but who knows what they're going to be. Arkansas, Tennessee, and the big one is at LSU. Other than that, they get everybody else at home, which I think is obviously advantage Alabama. They get LSU on the road November 3rd, which I think is a big uh, mark on your calendar game after what LSU just showed against Miami. Other than that, Tennessee is not going to put much of a fight. Arkansas is not going to put up much of a fight, in my opinion. So the road games so far 
I just don't see anybody on their schedule that could compete with them until Georgia. And by that time, Alabama's going to be rolling. I don't know if Georgia's going to be. I don't know. You know, I think, you know, I think that really does depend on Jake Fromm with Georgia. And, you know, towards the end of the year, if he can show what he did in the, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the semifinals in the college football playoff last season and really towards the end of the year when he started to show more poise, I think he could lead that Georgia team over Alabama. And I don't think it's the biggest thought to, you know, Alabama rarely makes it out of the SEC unscathed. Normally, that doesn't do anything bad for them as far as college football goes, college football playoff rankings go, or anything like that. SEC is so quote unquote tough. But like you said, that LSU game, I feel like, is a very big one to mark on Alabama's calendar because that is probably going to be their toughest regular season matchup. And like I said, with them always trying to have issues here or there, LSU never lets Alabama just walk over them which is always, you know, good to see. So I think they they might go into the conference championship game with one loss, but they're still going to probably take that from Georgia. I don't see, you know, Georgia – I don't see Georgia running the table, I guess is the way I would put it. But I think it will be one of these two teams coming out of the SEC as the champ and going into the college football playoff. And – you know, depending on how the rest of the league shakes up, I'm not sure if we'll see two SEC teams in the playoff like we're used to this season. Now, who do you think is going to be the you know top player, or who's the guy you're most interested to keep an eye on in the SEC, Sean? Well, for me, the guy that's going to be the most interesting is Benny Snell, the running back for Kentucky. He's coming off a year in which he had 1,300 yards, 18 touchdowns, has shown that he can be a complete back is by catching the ball out of the backfield. He's one of those guys that gets thrown around in that same kind of Heisman dark horse conversation. A guy that's kind of on the edge that people, a lot of people aren't really thinking about. And he's done his part so far. You know, the game that he played this past weekend, he went for 20 carries, 125 yards, and two touchdowns. So he's getting the season off to a strong start. And I think he could be a, a beast in the SEC. You know, and my guy to watch is somebody that we have kind of touched on a couple times already during this podcast, and his name has just come up um, with that really fiery offense with Drew Locke, the quarterback from Missouri. You know, he threw for just about or just short of 4,000 yards, 44 touchdowns last year, and those are those are in the upper echelon across the entire nation. I know he will be in the Heisman conversation if Missouri can keep any form of – you know, competitive nature going on in the SEC. You know, if they if they can be a middle-of-the-road team and he can give them a little bit of a push with his numbers, purely off his numbers, he will have to be in the conversation. But is there anything else about one of these SEC schools that you could see um, coming out as a dark horse to either challenge Georgia or Alabama? It's really going to be – it's a real stretch for me to throw it out there, but I think, you know, you can't rule out Florida in the East for the SEC, possibly taking Georgia out of the championship game. And that's just due to the fact that there's a new coach in Dan Mullen. They return 19 starters. Ah, it's just Florida's Florida in the past couple, the past four or five years, they have not gone great for Florida. 
overall with suspensions. You never know what's going to happen to some of their players. So we'll see. Florida is a kind of a uh, we'll wait and see team. Maybe they can pull it all together and make a run, but the odds are kind of stacked against them in my mind. So now we get to move into our favorite conference, the Big Ten Football Conference, obviously the most highly touted conference at the beginning of the season with four teams inside the preseason uh, top 15. And, you know, we did get to see every one of those in action this week. Some obviously some impressed some like we talked about with Appalachian State had a few scares and some didn't impress so much. So. Who do you see coming out of the Big Ten victorious out of either the East, the West, and, you know, on top of it all? Well, to me, the team in the West is really no question about it. It's Wisconsin. They have the best team. Jonathan Taylor showed early in their first game why he is a Heisman candidate. They have a veteran offensive line. If Alex Hornibrook improves his play even a little bit, they could become a top-five team easily. In the East, you know, it's a big question for a lot of people trying to figure out the Big Ten. Who wins the East? I'm hoping that my my boys, Michigan State, proves me wrong in this one, but I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think they have the, just the best team athletically in the Big Ten. They return a lot to both sides and bring in another great freshman class. Dwayne Haskins looks like stepping in seamlessly for JT Barrett. I think that the that combination of Dobbins and Weber are this year's Chubb and Michelle. You know, we got two great running backs just coming at you nonstop. So, and then I think Ohio State edges Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game to win the conference. Yeah, I mean, I like like you said, I don't think there's anybody really to challenge Wisconsin. You know, over in the West, they, you know, they they were one game removed from a playoff berth a year ago. Uh, That game, of course, being against Ohio State, um, you know, this team over and over and over again reloads. And like you said, they're so fast and so, you know, quote unquote talented. Um, You know, I think it's just that type of offense that you see Ohio State um, run. I said this to you earlier in the week is that one of the reasons why Ohio State is so successful in the Big Ten is they are the outlier in the Big Ten with their speed, with their ability, and they don't run the Big Ten type of offense that Wisconsin does where they're going to hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor, you know, 25, 30 times in a game and say, you know, let's go, boy. It's time to put the team on your back and let's go win some football games. But with that being said, you know, I do see Ohio State coming out of the East. I was definitely shaken basically by all of the other three teams in the East with Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State, all either kind of having a shaky start or definitely not the start that they wanted. You know, Ohio State went out and rolled over Oregon State, I believe somewhere in the 70s. 70 77-31. Yeah, 77-31. And I think I saw, you know, Ohio State was the first team to have uh, five, five rushing and five passing touchdowns in the same game. And I can't even tell you how long. So, you know, that just shows you they have with Haskins, you know, their young quarterback who stepped in for JT Baird. They have what it takes to kind of be so high powered and, you know, up and above even, you know, another good power five school to start the season, dropping 77 points on them. I don't know if I anybody is going to be able to catch up. But, you know, 
like you said, if Hornybrook can even step up his play a little bit, I still think it makes Wisconsin very, very scary for Ohio State to have to play in the Big Ten Championship at the end of the year. I know that hasn't gone so well for Wisconsin when they meet up in that game, but I think one of these years, you know, it's going to have to, the bubble's going to have to burst and we'll see what happens, but I don't, I don't really see it happening this year. I would say that Ohio State would be my eventual Big Ten champion and obviously get that playoff berth. But, you know, if if Wisconsin can run the table once again and they only end up with that one L in the Big Ten championship, I don't see why, like I said, they could put two Big Ten teams into the playoff. You know, because they thought, you know, a lot of people thought they should have did that last year with Penn State. But obviously that didn't happen. So it it could happen this year. And, you know, just to – Stay in the Big Ten, Sean. I know you have somebody that you would like to talk about on your players to watch for this football season. Who who would that be? Uh, that'd be Joe Bocci, linebacker, Michigan State. You know, I think he proved why he's an impact player this weekend against Utah State, coming up with that big play late to seal the game for Michigan State. I think he will top 100 tackles again this year. He's already gotten the role for interceptions. He's going to grab a couple of sacks as well. I think he might be in the conversation for defensive player of the year for the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, if you just saw what he did in that first week, it's it's already an impact. Like you said, he's already going to be a game-changing type of guy. So that's what Mark D'Antonio needs on his team. So that would be interesting to see. Now, my guy to keep a look at is the true freshman, true, true freshman Adrian Martinez, the new quarterback for Nebraska. And, you know, having Scott Frost, step in at Nebraska coming on home. And, you know, I think this is going to be really interesting to see how he can take a young talent and, you know, what I assume to be a soon to be four year starting quarterback at Nebraska and how they can really start his career off at a good note. And I'm interested to see, you know, how they use him and what he's going to be able to do for the Cornhuskers. But I don't think it's still going to play at all into that Big Ten West race. So now that we're done with our favorite schools to talk about, we will shoot out to the West Coast and get into the Pac-12. I know there's a, you know Washington's a pretty clear-cut favorite to win the Pac-12. You know, they're already ranked in the top five, I, w- I believe, was to start the season. But they didn't have the greatest showing against an SEC school in LSU um, to begin the season. So who do you think is the clear favorite? You know, is, is it Washington or is there somebody going to make a stab at the competition? Well, I think Washington is still the favorite for me in the Pac-12. I think that they played a very good underrated Auburn team. I think they're going to challenge and I didn't say it when we did the SEC, but they're going to be probably one of Alabama's hardest games. I think they're going to be one of the hardest teams in the SEC this year. So you can't – that game was doesn't have a lot of weight for me carrying over into the Pac-12 conference. And if Washington plays a good SEC team close, I think that they'll be able to handle themselves in the Pac-12. Well, I definitely you know think that they're going to come out of the Pac-12 on top of things, but – there are a few teams that could do, you know, something. I mean, it's it's not like they're going to run away with it. I know they're the clear favorite, but, you know, Utah 
Stanford, Oregon. I mean, Stanford and Oregon are, you know, both ranked in the top 25. I don't think, you know, Oregon will be able to rebound after losing Willie Taggart and having, you know, I believe it's what their third head coach in the last seven seasons now. Less than that. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you know, they've been on a bit of a carousel. So I don't see them moving back to the top of the Pac 12. You know, if somebody was going to give them a run for their money, I would say it's probably Utah or USC. And, you know, that's them coming out of the South. It's really a, a toss up between those two schools in the Pac 12 South. But, you know, like you said, I think I saw enough out of Washington against Auburn to kind of give them the nod to say, you know, this is you're able to compete and, you know, do do enough to get your guys experience for Pac-12 play at the very beginning of the year, not playing a cupcake. And I don't think it was embarrassing the way that they lost. It was just a very, very close game. Now, who do you think is our, you know, most explosive player out of the Pac-12 for this season? For me, it's going to be Justin Herbert and a quarterback for Oregon. If he can put together a full, healthy season, a lot of people have him as the top-ranked quarterback going into next year's draft. And just coming off of his last-year numbers, you know, Games that he played in and games he didn't play in, that was Oregon's, the difference in Oregon's season. Um, games he played in, you know, everything. And almost 2,000 yards passing, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions. But that's not really a full season's worth of numbers. So, But he's a 6'6 guy. He's 240 pounds. He's a steady-built guy. He could be, in my opinion, one of those guys we talk about going into our mock draft for the next NFL draft as being the top quarterback. And one of the guys that I would like to watch out of the Pac-12 is Arizona's quarterback, Khalil Tate. I mean, he's only 19. He's a sophomore. He didn't, you know, have a full complement from last year to be able to see exactly what his potential will be. But he did throw for, I think it was 14 touchdowns, um, 1,600 yards. But, uh, you know, what really is scary about him is his work on the ground, his feet. And he rushed for nearly as many yards as he threw for, uh, just over 1,400, and had 12 touchdowns on the ground. So in the Pac-12, I think he might be one of the, if not the most exciting player to watch outside of Bryce Love in Stanford. And, uh, you know, with Bryce Love, I do want to mention him while we're here. You know, he put up just absolutely ridiculous numbers last season, both yards per carry, yards-wise and touchdown-wise. And, um, you know, I still see him as my early season front runner for the Heisman. I guess it just depends on what what type of big games he can put up this year because if it has anything, any type of semblance towards what he had last year, he'll be in the top uh, finalists for the Heisman. Now we're going to jet over to the Big 12 where the University of Oklahoma has been the favorite for the last few years with Baker Mayfield at the helm. And, you know, I think they're probably the favorite this year, Sean, but losing, obviously, the number one overall draft pick and having to replace somebody like that. I mean, who do you see challenging 
Oklahoma in the Big 12, either, you know, out of their division or even, you know, towards the end of the season? Well, I think that I think is going to happen is West Virginia is going to end up being the biggest challenger to Oklahoma. Um, if you asked me a couple of days ago, I would have said Texas. But after watching that game against Maryland or that they played, I have zero confidence in Texas again. So West Virginia and Will Greer, to me, are the team that's going to ch- challenge Oklahoma. I don't think they're going to take Oklahoma off the throne. I think Oklahoma um, – Kyler Murray, a guy who you remember us talking about with Major League Baseball, same, yep. Kyler, Mur- same Kyler Murray, is he looked very well in the limited action that he got in week one. Rodney Anderson, I think, might be the best back to come out of the Big 12 in a few years. He's, he's been that good at the end of last year and through one game this year, and I'm not sleeping on their defense. Their defense brings back a lot of guys. I think they're going to be – all over the place. The best team in the Big 12 is Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't think there's really any disputing that, but, um, you know, Will Greyer is kind of that guy in the big, he's going to be that guy in the Big 12 now to step into the quarterback role. And I think he's kind of sits atop a lot of people's Heisman watch list. You know, just a year ago, he threw for 34 touchdowns. I believe it was over. Um, you know, almost 3,500 yards, 3,490 3, yards, 34 touchdowns. And, um, you know, it, it, the West Virginia offense kind of does scare me in their explosiveness. I mean, they have All-American David Sills, Gary Jennings at receiver. Um, you know, they have Kennedy McCoy as a running back. There's a lot of fast, speedy guys. It's just that West Virginia never seems to be able to put it together at the end of the season. And that's what I was making the hint towards with Oklahoma is I feel like it's going to be harder at the beginning of the season for Oklahoma to destroy teams like they're used to. And it's going to be a little bit easier towards the end of the season when you get to see the separation in talent and West Virginia is going to kind of fall by the wayside towards the end of the year. I think kind of run out of gas with that high powered offense before you see Oklahoma, you know, have any, sort of semblance of, of taking a step back in the big 12. So I'll go ahead and give Oklahoma the championship nod as well. And you did mention the guy I wanted to bring up about players to watch in the big 12. And that was Rodney Anderson, the running back from Oklahoma. Like you said, he's been a guy who's been good enough the last couple of years, but I think this could be either the year or the springboard to him really stepping up and becoming probably the best back in the big 12. Um, he had 13 touchdowns a year ago, almost 1,200 yards on close to 200 rushing attempts. So I know those numbers are only going to go up this season. We just have to see if it's going to be a plateau or if he'll be able to make like that actual jump into, you know, the upper echelon of running backs in the in college football, really. Yeah, and I'm also going to keep my player to watch with Oklahoma and go with the wide receiver, Marquise Brown, also known as Hollywood Brown. And the big thing to know about him is he might be the fastest guy in college football, according to some people. And he took a little bit to crack the starting lineup last year, but once he did, he ended the year with 57 receptions, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, set a single-game record for yards in a, receiving yards in a game against Oklahoma State, and he finished the year with an average yards per catch of 20. So he's a big play guy. He's a fast guy. Expect to see more of him flying down the field and Kyler Murray just trying to get him the ball in stride. 
Now, to go into our last conference that we need to cover for this football season, it is to the ACC, the Atlantic Coast. You know, Clemson has been a top dog out of the ACC for years now, and I don't see anything changing. Is there any type of inkling that would give you a different impression, Sean? No, um, going into the season, I had Miami listed as the team that might challenge them, and they just got housed by LSU. I don't see anybody else on that side of the ACC, I mean, challenging Clemson. I don't see anybody in Clemson's division challenging them either. I think Clemson is going to have a very another good year and make the be the top dog in the ACC. If I'm going to throw out one team that might give them a problem, it's going to be Florida State. I think they're going to be on a rebound this year, and I think they will probably give Clemson their best game in conference. I don't think they have enough to win. Well, I definitely agree. I mean, with them having DeAndre Francois come back, you hope they were going to be the team that everybody thought they were going to be. I believe they were preseason top ten. It was eight last season right before Francois tore his knee apart in the first game of the year. And it all kind of went downhill from there. But now that they have him back and healthy, I think it gives Florida State a little bit of extra push. But, you know, they lost their their longtime head coach. And it still is – I think that puts a damper on their rebound in general. And Clemson has over and over again shown that they are a, an ACC powerhouse. And me and you have talked about, you know, the quality of the conference as a whole – for football with the ACC, and I, I don't think it's the highest, but I definitely see it as easy enough to have Clemson go, you know, unblemished through that ACC season and go back into the college football playoff without a loss, and that's when they'll really get to see what type of team they are, and, you know, every time that this happens, they're just already on a tear. But I think the biggest story, you know, coming out of the ACC is the quarterback situation at Clemson. I know we just saw in this first game, you know, there was Trevor Lawrence, and then there's uh, uh, Kelly Baker, I believe is what his name is. And Kelly Bryant. He, or Kelly Bryant, yeah. And Kelly Bryant, and Kelly Bryant got the starting nod. He threw for a touchdown, ran for a couple, and then, you know, Trevor Lawrence came in, had about the same amount of attempts, had about the same amount of yards, threw for three touchdowns, so – it's still interesting to see what they're going to do at quarterback because the way that I see it is whoever gets this job is the one that's going to have it for a while. If Trevor Lawrence is able to secure this job, depending on how long until he wants to go pro, he will be the quarterback of Clemson, which I think that's what Dabo Sweeney, Dabo Sweeney wants is to have you know, a solid number one guy. Yeah, real quick, just on Clemson, I think that if they're going to have any problems in their schedule going through the ACC, it's going to come in the four-game stretch that they have through from October 20th and November 10th, where they're home against NC State, at Florida State, home against Louisville, and at Boston College. You know, Boston College is kind of a scary team to me this year. They're bringing back a lot of guys. They have one of the best tailbacks in the country. And we will definitely see, but I think Clemson goes undefeated through the conference. Well, I mean, you did bring up my uh, player to watch just there when you, when you rolled into Boston College really quick, but 
yeah, one of the best running backs in the nation in AJ Dillon, you know, he's, he's already coming, you know, back off of 300 carries just a season ago. So they're going to keep feeding him the ball. And in, I, I look for him to get upwards of 15, maybe even close to 20 rushing touchdowns in the ACC this season. So it'll be another exciting player to watch. I don't think he'll be, you know, pushing on that Heisman territory, but he is one of the better running backs, especially in the ACC. Yeah, Jake, my player to watch in the ACC is going to be Cam Akers, the running back for Florida State. Last year, he had 200 carries, 1,030 yards, seven touchdowns, averaged about 5.3 a carry. And to some people in Florida State circles, that was a letdown. <laughs> so people want to see a bigger sophomore season from him, and I think he'll get it this year. Florida State's going to be – they lose their coach, like you said. But Willie Taggart's not a he's, – he's a guy that is, I think is going to come in, and he's going to have Florida State humming right back where they want to be, near the top of the ACC. Not over Clemson, but near the top of the ACC. Well, that is going to do it for our conference picks for our champions and players to watch. You know, after being able to kind of put that all into perspective, Sean, uh, there's obviously some pretty good football teams this season, and a lot of a lot of them are still those perennial powers that we've seen over the last few years. And you know, a lot of teams are bringing back 15 plus starters that we talked about. Uh, some of the teams we didn't even get a chance to mention, or even more. Um, so. With all of this being said, we're going to go ahead and give you guys our playoff picks. So the top four teams for the season, and I guess we'll go one for one, Sean. Uh, we each give two, so we'll give you our combined just say in sports, college football playoff picks. Sean, who do you think will end this year ranked number one overall? I'm going to go with Alabama ranked as the number one overall team in the playoff. Now, I, I'll, I'll give you Alabama, but like I said, if Alabama does run into that one loss during the season, which seems to happen here or there, um, I do see Clemson having a shot at going into the college football playoff being undefeated. So at least in that two slot, I'll have to say that Clemson will be back in there and everybody will be thinking and priming about a yet another Alabama and Clemson matchup on either side of the bracket. Now, who is your next team in, Sean? My next team in would be the Oklahoma Sooners. I think they're going to really handle the Big 12, and I think they'll do enough to impress the selection committee and end up as number three team. I definitely kind of get the monkey off the back, and I believe there is going to be, obviously, one of the Big Ten champions is going to be the last team to round out the year and we and you spoke about the chances of Wisconsin doing it, but in that big 10 championship game, I don't see Ohio state dropping anything like they, um, you know, they haven't done that in the past. They've rolled Wisconsin in that game. So I see Ohio state making a trip back to the playoff and it's going to look a lot like we have seen it over the last few years, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio state. So uh, I, it's kind of hard to make a pick off of that. We, you know, it's so far ahead into the season and we don't even know who'd be in it, but who is your national champion and who do you think wins the Heisman trophy this season, Sean? For me, I'm going to go Alabama win the national championship. It's just, it's really hard to go against them at this point in the season, this early before you see how things shake out. But Alabama is my favorite to win the 
national championship. My Heisman favorite is going to be Will Greer, quarterback for West Virginia. I think that he is going to put up enough numbers and do enough shiny things, put up enough big plays to really throw his name out there as the I'm the best college quarterback, I'm the best college player, and I think he will take the Heisman. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to agree with you, but I have to on Alabama, Sean. You know, with Clemson having questions at quarterback, everybody thought Alabama had questions at quarterback coming into the season because they wouldn't name a starter out of three quarterbacks. But, you know, with Tuo Tavaglia taking over, um, you know, most of the game in that first uh, first game of the year for Alabama, I'm not quite sure that it really matters who's playing for – or who's, who's playing under center for the Crimson Tide. That team's already good enough to basically get them to the national title game, and then they have to be beat. Alabama's not a team that beats themselves, and that's one of the things that – everybody fails to realize in college football, it's really more about the mistakes you make than how, how much you're able to, you know, impose your will on another team, um, especially when it comes down to the playoff time. But I'll definitely say that I think Alabama has not only the best returning squad, but, you know, the best overall squad is going to probably take it this season. Now, my Heisman pick is the same guy that I thought probably should have had at least a very, very close run into the Heisman last year, which is Stanford's Bryce Love. Thinking that he's going to be able to put up the same type of season that he did last year is kind of crazy. There has to be some type of regression. Um, You know, he was pushing up following Christian McCaffrey's numbers with all purpose and and Saquon Barkley. And you look around and you go, Bryce Love's in the same tier as these guys and him just being in the Pac-12, nobody gets to see him on national television. So it's a little hard, but uh, what I'll say is I think Bryce Love's my favorite to win the Heisman because I think he is the best running back in the country this season. Well, that is going to do it for yet another episode of Just Saying Sports. I'm Jake Atnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. We would, as always, we would like to say thank you for listening to us, all of our wonderful listeners. Please make sure you subscribe, like, share, follow um, us on all social media platforms with Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You know where to listen. We also have a new Twitter account at Just Saying Sport. There is no S on the end of that, but at Just Saying Sport, uh, you can find our podcast there and any type of information relevant to our show we will retweet and give some commentary on so make sure you get the twitter fingers going and follow both me at jake atnip um and the sport and our twitter page at just saying sport your twitter hashtag or your twitter handle i don't know it off the top of my head but i will put it on our just saying sport page and that's even better so uh once again thank you for listening we'll see you next week